Welcome to Stories I Didn't Tell Last Sunday. Hi, I'm your host, Doug McAllister for Journey Fellowship Church. And today, my guest on this episode is Cindy Collins. Man, I'm so excited to have Cindy here. We're going to be talking about, Cindy, one of the most important decisions from the Supreme Court, maybe in a lifetime or maybe even 100 years. You know, we're going to talk about, you know, the, uh, the decision of uh, the Supreme Court that overturned Roe v. Wade. But a little bit about you first. Can I set the tone? Cindy Collins is the director of the Pregnancy Help Center here in Slido, Louisiana, which she helped found in 1986. And you guys have served more than 40,000 women in the last 36 years, which is just amazing. And also, you are the founder and the leader for Speak Hope, which is another ministry you lead to help women who are recovering from abortion or from sexual exploitation. So you're busy, aren't you? I'm very, very busy, Doug, and it's an honor to be here with you today because we both love the Lord and we love to serve our community and we love to see people achieve their destiny no matter what has happened in their past. You know, we met, you and I met in 1996. We were starting a brand new church and you were leading an already existing ministry and you just welcomed us to the community and we felt so accepted and loved. And we partnered with you from that day, you know, as a church to help, you know, accomplish the mission that God called you to uh, with the Pregnancy Help Center. And it's been such a privilege for us, you know, our church has given so generously to your ministry over the years uh, through the kindness of the people here at Journey. And uh, we just... Uh, we're just amazed at what the Lord has done. You know, I, I think you pray for something and you pray for it and you believe for it. But when it happens, it, it's almost a shock. Like we asked for it and God gave it to us and we're uh, kind of unsure, you know, uh, how to give thanks and what to do next. You know, right. so that's where we find ourselves today as a church and as a movement is what, how, how are we going to respond to this historic opportunity. So uh, a little bit more about you. Um, you were at, at the White House. I know I talked to you maybe 18 months ago or so. Tell us a little bit about that. What was that like being in the White House with the president and all of the, you know, the history that's there? Well, it was amazing to see where the Lord had taken me, which I'll share a little bit of my story later on, but where he had taken me to me being in the White House. You know, Scripture says that the Lord will put us with his, the princes of his people. Yeah. And so it was when President, our President Trump was president at that time, and he was having a uh, gathering on human trafficking, yeah. on anti-human trafficking. So <clears throat> we went ahead and we gathered there and it was just amazing i will tell you for me yeah, to be there i bet from slido louisiana yeah. in the white house with the president and with other people that were leaders and influencers yeah. in our nation really for the kingdom of god yeah. so the lord opens the doors and we're supposed to walk through them yeah you know that was um such a great personal experience but on the bigger picture is that the president gathered all of these pro-life leaders from around the nation to focus on one central mission, and that is to help rescue people who are being trafficked. And I just, I just love that, you know, that you got to be a part of that. And also got to see the inside of the White House, which is, you know, very rare. I've been to the White House, to the gate, 
you don't get invited in very often, you know. Right. Um, um, you know, uh, we were at the last uh, March for Life, not this one, but the one that the President uh, Trump spoke at. Uh, I guess it's been two years ago now, you know, and it was quite uh, quite a sight. You know, um, we got there early. We had to go through all these, you know, um, security checks and the Secret Service and wands and metal detectors but we finally got into the grounds where the gathering was and cindy when i turned around to look behind me and there were maybe a hundred thousand or maybe more you couldn't even count it was just a mass of humanity from the capitol all the way down the mall stretching toward um you know the uh lincoln memorial it was just overwhelming and there were so many young people there were so many students holding signs that said, we are the pro-life generation. You know, and while we were waiting for the president to come out, uh, people were impromptu singing worship. People were on the ground praying. People were in small groups laughing and talking. People were, you know, there for a common thing, uh, you know, when that is to see the end of abortion in our lifetime, you know. And I was just so moved by that, you know, to see that many young people you know with the culture shifting so quickly now that right. we're all watching it's a little disconcerting but there's a lot more happening in the kingdom that we don't see it's so like i think maybe the same thing that elijah said i'm the last one standing lord and the lord said there's thousands more that you don't even know about you know i think sometimes we kind of get into our own i'm the only one doing this but you know god's always up to more than what we can see. He is, and it is for this chosen generation, like what yeah. you were saying. There were probably about a quarter of a million people, and I think that there were probably 80 to 90% of those were young adults. Co college students and high school students. It was just, it was amazing. Yeah. It really was, you know, and, uh, and you know, to be able to pray with that many people and to worship with that many people. And uh, it, it was just one of those experiences that changes you forever. We went to the prayer meetings in the morning uh, that, that was held around the city, you know, and there were just hundreds and hundreds of students gathering just to pray, you know, to ask God for his forgiveness and ask God for healing for our nation. You know, it was, it was incredible to, to watch that. Now, here's a quote from The Decision that the Supreme Court handed down, written by Samuel Alito, which we know there's a history behind him mm -hmm. writing this decision. His mother was a woman of prayer. Do you know a little, a little about, about that story about well, his, Samuel? His mother was a woman of prayer, and also that part of his name means breath of God. Yeah. And that he has been a man that has stood for righteousness, and, and his wife is yeah. also a woman of prayer. Yeah. So he's been placed there as well as others, yeah. we believe, by the hand of God. Yeah, and he wrote, he wrote the, the, the majority opinion, so his words are now going to echo for a generation. But I love this sentence, and this is a sentence that I thought that I would never hear in my lifetime. He said, this is from Samuel Leto's decision, uh, he said, quote, We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled, unquote. Did you think that you would ever hear that in your lifetime? I really didn't, Doug. I mean, I hoped, and in my mind, I was pressing forward even so. Yeah. But it, like you said, it was a shock that yeah. this actually was coming down, and this yeah. was coming out of our uh, Supreme Court Justice's mouth. Yeah. In the time that we have together, we're going to cover a couple of things. One, I want to talk about the prayer movement behind this. But two, I want you to share your story 
Cindy, you have a, a remarkable story of redemption that every woman, every person needs to hear, especially a woman who's going through what you went through needs to hear there's hope. Uh, also, we're going to talk a little bit about um, how the church can respond and what the opportunity we have presents that we can do. And then finally, uh, let's talk a little bit about healing for women who are still traumatized by their experience with abortion abortion or sexual exploitation so uh we got a lot lot to cover so we're gonna we're gonna crack through this and uh, just have a a a good good conversation uh, about it so we're talking about the dobbs versus jackson decision that was handed down by the supreme court just a couple of weeks ago uh and in that supreme court overturned roe v wade into nearly 50 years of legalized abortion nationwide and they returned the power to the people and to their elected representatives in the states, which is how our constitution is designed. Right. You know, uh, I think all of us who are in the pro-life movement kind of got our arms around that a long time ago. Like this was just really a bad decision. It was based on thin air. There's no law. There's no, the word abortion is not even in the constitution. They kind of created this right out of whole cloth and made it up. So we've all been fighting around that, you know, a ghost. You know, how do you defeat a ghost? You can't even see it, you know. Uh, and that, I think, gave birth to the prayer movement. Like, we don't know what to do. God, help us. And, you know, you guys, uh, people like you, uh, you and thousands more around the country opened these pregnancy help centers back in the 80s, some in the 70s. You know, and it became like the front line for the pro-life ministry yeah. that you've been doing this now for going on 40 years, Cindy, and that you personally have ministered to 40,000 women. You know, I'm just amazed at what God's done in you and through you. You know, I, I just want to say thank you from on behalf of the church and behalf of our community. Uh, I know it's been a lot of long hours, a lot of long months, lots of times when you probably wanted to give up hope but you never did you never did you know you prayed it through and i i appreciate that doug because it's taken us working together as a community and then loving each other to life because like what you you said is it okay if i share a little bit of my story absolutely (laughs) is that when i came to slidell louisiana i came from another state and i was a pretty, what I say, pretty broken puppy, you know, at that time. But in the Lord's way, he's so awesome that he brought me to, I say, he brought me to New Orleans to get saved. Yeah. Because he knew the people here and he knew my life. He knew Mm -hmm. the brokenness and he knew how he wanted to use me. So uh, it goes back to that when I was 19 years old, I um, had become pregnant And prior to that, I had gone through sexual abuse, verbal abuse, that was sort of the foundation of worthlessness Mm -hmm. in my belief system. And I didn't know the Lord. So I'd become pregnant, and it was uh, January 1973. Wow. At that time, there was a convergence that was going on in our country where Roe v. Wade was going through the Supreme Court. Well, I went to a place called Planned Parenthood for counseling, mm-hmm. and the only thing that they told me that was available was abortion would be legalized in a couple of weeks, yeah. and that my baby was a blob of tissue, and um, that I could get on with my life. Yeah. Now, I want to say this, that I was very vulnerable at a, as a 19-year-old, but deep down in my heart, 
I knew that something was wrong. Yeah. And I can go back to now because of what God writes on our heart, yeah. you know. So I went to Washington, D.C. with my boyfriend, and uh, this was January of 1973. So I believe as Roe was coming through the court, I was sta- sitting in a Planned Parenthood facility wow. having the first of multiple abortions. Mm. Uh, because what happened was that wrecked my life. I ended up uh, quitting school, quitting college, yeah. drinking heavily, more promiscuous relationships on this downward spiral, thoughts of suicide, everything. And uh, because I, I came to realize that I had taken the life of my child, and honestly, spiritually, it's the only time that murder takes place with inside of a woman's body. Yeah. And so that it was almost as though a spirit of death had entered me, you know. Yeah. Saying that, um, I had really, my, my life was really down at the very bottom, close yeah. to the pit of hell. And then the Lord brought me to um, Louisiana. Mm. And... I can remember being invited to church, and there were some very loving people that loved me from the inside out and helped me build a relationship with Christ, told me about the forgiveness of the Mm -hmm. Lord, and uh, then I began my healing process. Now, I had consequences from abortion, miscarriage and infertility Mm -hmm. and a lot of pain, but I realized that the pain that was being manifested in the other parts of my life, alcoholism, the root cause was because I had that deep wound of abortion. So um, from that, and uh, there's more to the story, but from that, I I knew that from the healing, I needed to be a voice. I needed to do something. That was the redemption uh, part. So I actually, I went down in front of the abortion facilities in New Orleans and yeah. I started reaching out to other women there Wow! and um, started talking to them about my own story and then realized we needed to come back to Slidell, to our own community. Yeah. And as Christians from denomination, all denominations, yeah. open up a safe haven mm. in Slidell yeah. with the unconditional love that I felt like I would have needed when I was 19 years old. Yeah. You know, Cindy, part of your story that you tell that always inspires me is that Sunday that you were in church. And was it Charles Green that was preaching that day? Charles Green. And what a great man of God. He had touched so many lives. But he preached that day, and the Holy Spirit began that work of healing in you. Would you share a little bit about that? I know it's a long story, but just give us a little insight to how God used your pastor to begin that healing in your life. Well, there are a couple of parts. For one, one was that I was very fearful. I was fearful of punishment, condemnation. Yeah. And all I could feel was, and it's the same thing with you, Doug, was exhibited the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then subsequently, I had miscarried because of the damage of abortion. Right. And I had gotten the courage to go to church that day, and Pastor Green was actually speaking about abortion. Oh, boy. And I began weeping, and then I made an appointment with him for the next day to go in and speak to him. And I just started, I mean, really crying and telling him everything, and the pain in my heart, and I I could never be forgiven. Abortion was an unforgivable sin, and he got up from around his desk, and he hugged me and held me, and he called me Cynthia, and he said, Cynthia, oh, Cynthia, Cynthia. And he started to speak the word of, Jesus says that 
when we tell of our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our yes, sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And I could just feel the presence of the Lord. And it was yeah. that unconditional love exhibited yeah. by my pastor yeah. that was the key to set me free from yeah. that lie of I could never be forgiven. Right. And so that's powerful, man, because yeah. I know so many women who are probably watching this today are looking for that healing that you found. You know, and I think it's so important that we as the church, that we be the unconditional love of Jesus. Amen. And, and I agree because so many women are afraid. They feel they won't be accepted. Yeah. People in the church will, uh, you know, mock them, be angry, talk about them. Yeah. So the place that they should go for healing, right. which is the church, is the right. place that they walk away from. They're afraid of. But yeah. Doug, the other key was that he loved me from the inside out. Yeah. And then I got to know that that's who Jesus is by the example of my pastor and then other people that started to help peel away Mm. the layers of of pain from the abortion. Man, that's such a powerful, powerful part of the story. Um, I know that you are a woman of prayer and uh, it, it, you know, it permeates your whole life. But when I think about that decision, um, from the Supreme Court. I know there's 50 years of people praying and we learned this story while we were in DC a few years ago about how the March for Life got started. It was one woman, uh, Nellie Gray, I think that was her name, I believe. Right. Nellie Gray. I'm going from memory here, so help me out if I get it wrong. Uh, but they told the story about Nellie Gray, that she was a lifelong government employee, but she was retired and didn't have to do anything. But when they, you know, issue the the ruling january of 73 uh she was you know devastated and she spent the year just asking god what we do and as the time grew closer for the one year anniversary uh she and some of her friends said hey why don't we just gather on the streets of washington and pray man what a just a humble thing to do just gather and pray we have nothing else we can do we we don't hold the, the reins of power we don't hold government we hold no, no authority, but God does. And she and a few of her friends organized, and they paid for it themselves. They just kind of raised the money. And, you know, and that day, that first March for Life, 20,000 people showed up. They were like surprised that anybody showed up, but 20,000 people showed up, you know, and that has been growing in momentum now for, you know, for five decades. You know, when I was there, like you said, there was a quarter of a million people there you know and um but that movement of prayer undergirds all of this yes. you know uh and that movement of prayer is not done now i think our focus shifts to help the women and the babies that have survived and the next generation that's coming you know because i believe this is the pro-life generation that you know we are raising up uh this generation of college students is going to do things that we probably never imagined could happen, but it's going to. It, yeah. it is, and it's beginning to happen because back in 2008, uh, Lou Engel, who is a man of prayer, had yeah. a dream of prayer before the Supreme Court, and it actually, um, it's called Bound for Life, was birthed through a young adult who had a dream wow. of standing before the Supreme Court in silent prayer with red tape across their mouth. I remember that, yeah. 
with the word life. Mm-hmm. So for years, I think since 2008, the Bound for Life team has mm-hmm. been there at, at least around 3 o'clock in the afternoon wow. and just standing in silence in prayer. Matt Lockett is yeah. the uh, director of Bound for yeah, Life. Yeah, that, that's incredible. I heard about him while we were there. They, you know, had so many different facets of this ministry. It's just unbelievable how the Lord's working in so yeah. many layers and so many people. But that is a powerful statement with... Uh, the tape, we can't say it, but we can pray it. We can pray it. Yeah, and man, and they've been there now for years. And I think about people who've come and gone over the years, like Operation Rescue and the Right to Life Committee and all the other people who have raised up political support. You know, and one of the uh, one of the directors of uh, Operation Rescue, I, I know this from, I was imbo- involved back in the 90s with the pro-life movement, uh, Flip Benham actually led Norma Jean McCorvey to the Lord. Yes. Yeah, do you know that story? Yeah, Norma McCorby, and just, we can talk about, she was the original Jane Roe. Right, she was Roe in Roe v. Wade, right. And um, I've actually, I was actually on a mission trip with Norma over to really? Portugal in oh ministering to the women over there who were in maternity homes. And yeah. um, Flip led her to the Lord, but in, in understanding the importance of that is that when Norma was used uh, in Roe v. Wade, she was the Roe of Roe v. Wade, right. She stated that she had been raped, mm-hmm. and she late came out later to say that that was a lie, that right. she was never raped. And then Sandra Kano, who was in the compa- companion case, Doe versus Bolton, right. she had also been used. She was a woman who was in, a, in domestic violence, right. escaping yeah. her abuser. And when she came back to find out that Doe versus Bolton had gone through the Supreme Court, she never knew that her name wow was attached to that case. Mm. So it's two women that were manipulated and used that these court cases were based upon. Yeah, and I I know she has since died, um, Jane Roe, Norma McCorvey, um, but she came to the Lord back in the, was it the 90s, in the mid-90s? And she lived for the Lord until she died in 2017. Um, But her story is just incredible that, you know, she said that, you know, she wanted to devote the rest of her life to overturning that landmark decision that bore her name, that it wouldn't be a, a stigma that she had to carry forever, you know. So I just think about all the, you know, times when the hand of God just, you know, supernaturally moved over the years, you know. And we don't know why things take so long. You know, we wish it could have happened in 74. But we know that God rules in the affairs of men. And we have, you know... Uh, had to become a people of prayer and service. And 40,000 lives later that you multiplied around the nation, the millions and millions of people who got personal one-on-one hands-on ministry. God took what was a great tragedy and turned it into uh, a personal victory for so many people. You know, your story is so beautiful. You know, how God redeems you you know, and restored you. How long did it take for your journey of healing once you felt God is, was going to forgive you? How many years or decades? I don't know. You tell me. How long did it take till you finally felt like, okay, I've dealt with this and I think I'm right where I need to be? Initially, because of what the Word of God says, if we yeah. confess our sins, yeah. He is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us. There was an initial re- release but then all of the layers that happen with abortion of how they affect relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will tell you, Doug, I, I felt 
after probably about three to four years a real yeah. release. Yeah. But there's still when a woman goes through an abortion, yeah. she's on this healing journey. Yeah. Uh, because I realized when one of my daughters got married, as I as she was uh, at the altar, I realized how many children mm. that I would not have at the altar. And then the effect of the of not having the grandchildren. Yeah. So there's different layers that yeah. as a woman or a man, but as a woman's going through the healing journey, always take that to the Lord. Yeah. And what's happened with me through the years is it's created an intimacy with the Lord where he's the only one that I can know I know yeah. I can go through for healing. Yeah. Uh, for all the layers of abortion. So I think you're you're saying that your healing process is still going on. Correct. Yeah, I would and think that it would be, uh, you know, people will say, oh, you're healed. Yeah. But as I'm really availing myself to yeah. the Lord and saying, yeah. why is this going on, Lord? Yeah. It's still going. It's a journey. Yeah, you're healed, but you're also walking out your healing in real time. Correct. You know, and I think, you know, everybody needs to know that, especially women who are fighting the same battle that, you know, God's patient, even in the journey of healing. And that you can stand in your healing, but know that the Lord is still healing you in places that you didn't know you were even broken. And don't be afraid to go back to him and yeah. ask him, why is this going on, Lord? Yeah. Like there may be women who, in this decision that occurred with the overturn of Roe v. Wade, they're yeah. feeling things. Right. And to go back to the Lord and take time to yeah. ask him, why is this going on? Yeah. Right. And just wait and listen. Just wait and listen. And sometimes that's the most powerful part of the healing. That's right. You're just waiting and listening. You know, um, I, I was talking about the prayer movement, and uh, I'm going to close that out, but I want to move on to uh, a little bit more of your story. But I was thinking about all those justices. There's five justices who um, were the majority opinion of this case, Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett. You know, three of those five came along uh, during the Trump administration, of course, Alito and Thomas uh, from Bush and Bush. Uh, so there's five people that God gathered over a period of 35 years, you know, that, you know, could have gone either way. And Amy Coney Barrett was nominated, confirmed and seated right before the election. I mean, it was like under the wire, you know, uh, now, and you can just never underestimate what God's going to do and never, uh, you know, be afraid to Pray big prayers, you know, even when it's been 50 years, still pray. Right. Big prayers. That's right. Never give up. Yeah. Never give up. Never. I, never. I, I've seen miraculous answers to prayers that have occurred even from uh, past generations' prayers yeah. in my own family. Yeah. So never give up in prayer yeah. because this has taken 50 years. Yeah. Corporately, never give up, but also individually. If you're going through something today that seems to be impossible, I want to encourage you to ask God for healing. Believe God. If he can heal Cindy Collins, then maybe he can heal you. Maybe the same God that loves you loves her. You know, and we know that's true. Amen. You know, he's, he's a God that's not a respecter of persons. You know, he loves us all. Uh, so... Um, I think the prayer movement's huge. Uh, then it ties directly into your story, which led to the birth of the crisis uh, ministry, that, not the crisis center. I'm still stuck in the 80s. Uh, it, which led to the birth of the um, 
Pregnancy Help Center. Correct. Yeah, and now Speak Hope. And now you're traveling all over the world speaking and helping women. Uh, And, you know, your story, um, even though it had a painful beginning, it has a healing ending that God's using your pain for somebody else's uh, protection and, and healing, you know, and I just appreciate that about you. How often do you uh, travel and speak, Cindy? Well, prior um, COVID, yeah, it, it, there was there was a season that yeah. I was traveling quite a bit, not just uh, nationally, yeah. but also globally. Right, and it was always for the one. The Lord yeah. said, "It's always for the one that's, that's crying out." Yeah, and you know. Doug, the thing is, is that that's the redemption side of of healing in us, that once I realized, oh, Lord, this happened to me, I believed a lie about abortion, I need to press forward for the healing because I don't want this to happen to anybody else. Plus, also, God gave us a vision for for this generation. And so that opened up doors for me to go ahead and speak with that message to other people places because if there's been over 63 million plus abortions in our nation research shows that one in five american women by the age of 45 has had an abortion wow so that means there may be many that are in the body of christ in the church that are silent yet their pain is manifesting with uh, parenting problems with their children yeah alcoholism, marital problems, yeah. anger issues, depression, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. And Jesus wants us to be free. And I think that's a good transition for where I want to go next is um, how will the church respond to this opportunity that we've been presented? You know, I think that's key for us, you know, as, as pastors and leaders, take a deep breath and let's ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do now? For all of this generation, are these generations that's carrying the scars and the pain of abortions. And we want, you know, uh, the church, our church, to respond in forgiveness and love, to be a place of hope and, you know, of restoration, you know. Right. And I think that's key going forward, you know, is not that we back down from the truth of uh, abortion, but that we also remember it involves a human being right. who's carrying tremendous pain, probably from a decision that she regrets. You know, and the church should be the last place a person should feel judged or condemned. They, I believe, come to the church looking for hope and healing. You know, so uh, from, a, uh, from your perspective, you know, what would you advise me as a pastor and us as a church? How can we rise to this occasion well i believe that there are most likely hundreds if not thousands in our own community and i know across the state of louisiana and doug i so appreciate you because your heart's already there i just remember a time many years ago when i was having a hard time and you spoke the word of god to me that i'm more than an overcomer in in christ jesus and what i would say is to any pastoral leader is that you have an opportunity to bring healing to your congregation and to the community. And to address uh, the overturn of Roe versus Wade is a victory, but understand those who have been left behind. That we need to honor the memory of the children 
Yeah. In this Holocaust of abortion. 60, 65 million. At, at least 63 to 65 63. million plus. There's not, they're not even sure, Doc, it's how many. It's an estimate. Is, it's an estimate. But then there are women and men, sibling survivors. Yeah. Uh, there are grandparents. There's whole communities. Yeah. And, and those that have worked inside of these abortion facilities yeah. that are also involved. So as a pastoral leader, what I would suggest is speak truth, but op offer hope and forgiveness. And the only way is through and healing is through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that we have is we have a memorial at our office called A Cry Without a Voice yeah. that are baby shoes that are marked by uh, women, men, grandparents as a memorial to their children. Oh, boy. And so it's, uh, it's very healing, but it's very real also because yeah. it brings awareness and healing. And we also have um, healing journals, one that's called Redemptive Beauty that yeah. can be used as a tool yeah. for, the, for the healing. Is that a book that you wrote? It's a book that I wrote yeah. out of my own healing. Yeah. And it, it's very simple to go ahead and use. Can I hold up the uh, yeah. cover? Mm -hmm. Can I hold it up to this camera right here? If I... You like to get a shot of that. This book is in uh, print right now. You're just it's in be print printed. right now. Yeah, so it's called uh, Redemptive Beauty. It's, it's a journal. Yeah, tell us about that a little bit. How can they be used and what is the purpose of it? Well, what it is, it's to be used to heal the layers of abortion. Yeah. So if a person wants to do it just by themselves, they can. Yeah. Ideally, it would be used even in small groups or one-to-one. -one. Yeah. And it goes through... Uh, you know, being real about our past and what brought us to that past. Sometimes it's even being forced to have an abortion yeah. and being uh, real about that. But what would our life have been like if we had not gone through that experience? Yeah. And then how did that hinder us to receive the love of Jesus Christ right. and to be able to forgive and to receive his forgiveness? Yeah. And then to uh, understand that he lifts the shame of abortion. Yeah. And then he uses that as his redemptive beauty, redeeming our past for the future and bringing us to our true destiny and identity in Jesus Christ, healing all of the other relationships, marriage, children, mm. and, and who he's really called us to be. Yeah. And that's what he did with me, Doug, because he didn't want to just leave me in the part of I was healing. He wanted me to walk again. Yeah. And to be who he had called me to be as his daughter, as his friend, yeah. intimacy with him, and to be transparent about my story. Listen, the reason why I can talk about abortion in my past, I've had multiple abortions. So anybody who thinks you're unforgivable, yeah. we can sit down and talk, yeah. is because of what Jesus has done in me. I can talk freely in yeah. public because I, I looked at Paul's testimony in yeah. Scripture. I looked at da David's testimony. Yeah. I looked at Mary Magdalene's story. And I s saw these were things that Jesus had already done. And just in closing, not only had he already done it, but these were his close friends. Right. And Ma Ma was Mary was with him at the cross. Right. When other people were running away. She drew closer. She drew closer because yeah. she knew the depth of his love. Yeah. So it's yeah. healing and then re the redemption side. Yeah. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of restoration that happens when a person with a testimony like yours 
shares it boldly. It unlocks people's own fears and they can have the freedom to tell their story. Like, okay, let me just say what, because when you start telling the story out loud, then the, the chains come off. The light goes on and the darkness flees. You know, so I just pre- how, appreciate how bold you are, Cindy, with your story and how honest and raw that is. I know it must be a difficult thing for you to say, but you have been sharing it now for so many years. I just respect that so much because, yeah, Paul, great example. He, he said, this is, I was, you know, I was the worst. David, their stories are out there in black and white for all to see. But that is, I think, the part of the redemption story right. is that when we can acknowledge that we need God's help. And uh, what would you say to women today who are watching this about their own personal journey? What would you encourage them to do next? Well, what I would do is I would... Um, go ahead and I, I would encourage you to go ahead and um, and look at what scripture says. First John 1 9 says that if we confess our sins, uh, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. These are scriptures that I took. Uh, Romans 8 1 says that there's no condemnation, no guilt once you are in Christ Jesus. The key is, is that Jesus loves you. Yeah. He wants you, and he, he wants to heal you of this brokenness in your heart, the pain that's been there, that's been lingering, whether it be days or decades, and he wants to set you free. And I want to encourage you that if you feel that you need someone to talk to, you need more healing, to contact Pastor Duck, come to Journey Fellowship, and share your heart. This is a place of healing. I know personally that there's also Celebrate Recovery here. And uh, Celebrate Recovery is a great place to gather and receive the layers of healing. You are not beyond hope. I can share my story with you. I've had multiple abortions. I've done things that I never want to even talk about, but I know that Jesus has forgiven me. And I can go on and I can use my story to bring hope and healing to another person. And I want to encourage you and challenge you this day to do the same. So what's ahead for the, for the Pregnancy Help Center? What are you guys going to do next okay. for your ministry? Uh, well, what we're doing is like what you said. We want to step back and say, Lord, what are you saying yeah. is necessary right now? And so what I'm feeling, Doug, is like stepping back in the mm-hmm. healing portion. Yeah for those that have been impacted by abortion. But then also, how can we help women that are now, uh, they're going to be carrying their babies. And how can we reach them and minister to them and to their children together? So in in hearing what I feel like what the Lord's saying is that um, we're going to see things really unfold now, but in the months to come. What can I as a pastor and we as a church do to help you and and the ministry you're leading. What you need? What do you need from us? Okay, number one is prayer. Yep. Uh, the other thing is is that as we see supplies unfold, things like baby diapers, mm-hmm. uh, formula wipes, pack and plays, yeah. ca- infant car seats, toddler car seats, those mm-hmm. things that are needed for children. Right. But I will tell you one of the things that I've seen also is discipleship. Yeah. That is, we say there's. Uh, 
and I've already done this with y'all, is that there's a young woman that comes in. She has no place to stay. She's Mm -hmm. coming from a very abusive background, and she needs some place to go ahead and be mentored and discipled and loved to life, that we could bring her or send her or connect her with Journey Fellowship and with a team here that would love her to life like people did with me. Yeah. And and she would see that she has family. Yeah. And so and and then what happens is that transition takes place in her life where should she choose to parent or she chooses to place her baby for adoption. Yeah. That she knows that she has a home yeah. to go to. Right. So that's what I'm seeing I'm really seeing now. Yeah. You know, there are some things on as a community level that there's a safe haven law. Some women are very afraid. Right. They may want to drop their baby off at a church or mm-hmm. a, fire, a fire station or police or hospital. Right. We need to be prepared for that. Yeah. But honestly, as the body of Christ, I feel like we need to get prepared as teams of family. Yeah. As women are coming and they're, they're afraid or they need help. Right. And gather around them as teams yeah. of, of a family. And yeah. I, I honestly, Doug, I believe we're going to see an explosion of revival as yeah. we do that. As we're wrapping this up this morning, Cindy, um, you know, this isn't the end of the battle. This is just another chapter. Uh, as we move into this new phase, how many years in your spirit do you think we're looking at this phase? Are we going to be transitioning for the next 10 years trying to figure this out? Tell me what's in your spirit today. I think that we're going to have this initial phase of just the best thing we can do is spend some time with the Lord and ask him because yeah. he sees. Right. I believe that as this is being turned back to the states, right. now in Louisiana, abortion is illegal. Right. That law was... Um, again, in a, uh, created in 2006, right, and then recently updated in uh, updated 21, yeah, in, in 20, yeah, 2021, 2022, right. right. Um, but I believe that it's going to take probably about 10 to 12 years. Yeah, I think other yeah. people have said the same thing nationally. Yeah, as this yeah. is a state because battle. the way our constitution's drawn up, we are a collection of 50 little countries so every state has its authority which is the constitutional republic that we all live by and it's you know a very good system but it means now we got 50 battlegrounds not one which i think is good because i think 26 states have already uh, enacted a pro-life law so it's you know done now that leaves us 24 more battlegrounds not to mention all of the lawsuits is going to be filed and the you know all the you know legal troubles and we and you're correct and so we need to continue to pray yeah because we have texas on one side they're good you know we yeah. have mississippi which this law at the supreme court this this came from mississippi right so that so we really need to be praying for our legislators yeah. we need to be voting understand who we're voting for yeah and we also need to continue to let our voices be heard yeah you know uh, as we wrap it up um let's define what it means to be pro-life if you had put it in a single sentence how would you craft that sentence what does it mean that i'm pro-life well it means valuing every human life yeah from the moment of conception until natural death. I love that. That's such a great sentence. And it's one that we say at Journey often, 
you know, and I picked it up many, many years ago. Somebody preached a sermon, and I think it just kind of got into all of our spirits. You know, we value human life from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death. And I just think that really captures the whole spirit. You know, we're, we're, we're not against something. We're for life. We're for humanity. We, far, we are for the most vulnerable among us to have a chance you know that first sentence in the preamble to the declaration you know written by jefferson 240 years ago you know we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights inalienable rights among them life that's the first one on the list correct life you know i believe it is in the first sentence of the document that started the whole thing. What do we value? We value life. And I think we have to stand firm on that conviction. You know, we value the unborn, you know, from the moment of conception, they are a human being and worthy of the dignity of every other human life. I I agree, Doug. And it does something in my heart when I ask the Lord and I I talk to him that I want to honor and value life. So it, it overflows in my relationships as a young person who I'm dating and yeah. relationships. But then it also helps me as an older person, as a believer, when I see somebody on the street. Yeah. And I'm valuing that and honoring that human life yeah. made in the image of God. Yeah. Every person is made in the image of God. I have enjoyed our conversation, Cindy. I have to. Always learn so much from you. Always get inspired when I'm with you. And I just appreciate your life of service to the kingdom, to the kingdom of God and to King Jesus and to his children and to the most vulnerable. You know, I'm just, um, I'm just impressed with the work that you've done for decades. Thank you for serving Slidell. Thank you for being um, a voice of hope. Thank you for all that you've done. And we just appreciate you. And uh, we look forward to the days to come as we, uh, you know, get into this next chapter of defending the most vulnerable, you know. So uh, thanks for coming. Anything you want to say before we close out? Well, I'm just thankful to partner with you and Rachel, your family and the family at Journey. And for all these many years as we're serving our king in community and in family relationship, Doug. Well, we feel the same way. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I've been with Cindy Collins. Uh, She's the founder and director of the local pregnancy help center. She's also the founder and international speaker with Speak Hope. Uh, And she's been on the front line of serving uh, our community and the nations of the world uh, with the message of hope for the unborn. Uh, In her ministry, she served over 40,000 women just here in uh, Slidell in the North Shore area. And, uh, and, and countless others around the world. So we're grateful for her time today. If, you're, if you need help, you're looking for someone uh, you can talk to or a church that's going to welcome you, we want to welcome you to come visit Journey. Um, come talk to me on a Sunday morning if you're looking for help. And we'd love to help you to begin the healing process in your life, to know that God loves you, and so does the church, and there's a place here for you. Uh, and we just want you to fill this invitation is for you personally today. So if you're uh, living on the North Shore, we're in Slidell. 
Uh, you can go to jf.church and get driving directions to our church. Uh, you can download the Journey app, Journey Fellowship Church uh, app. Go to your app store, download it. It's packed full of resources to help you in your journey of faith. Uh, get you connected, find a small group, get plugged in with Celebrate Recovery, uh, get uh, into a body of, of believers on Sunday. We would love you here at Journey to be part of our family. Uh, so we are just excited today about what God's going to do in this next generation. I believe it is the pro-life generation, and we're going to see a mighty move of God among the generation that is raising up right now. So on behalf of Journey Fellowship Church, you've been watching stories I didn't tell last Sunday. I'm Doug McAllister. Hope you have a great day.